Hello everybody, welcome once again to Leaving in a Locker Room. I hope you are all doing well. My name is Charlie Green and it's great to be back with you once again for another episode. And if you're new to the podcast, uh, the idea is to have a current or ex-sporting professional on as a guest and they will put forward three things they would like to remove from their respective sport. It really can be anything and the point is to give sporting professionals the opportunity to come on and speak openly about what really annoys them whilst partaking in their sport. Basically have a good old rant and there will also be time to find out how my guest is doing and have some locker room questions to finish with the pod like always so lots to look forward to and my guest today is a professional cricketer currently playing for county side hampshire and is signed for london spirit in the hundred this summer known for mastering the fine art of leg spin bowling which has seen him also represent england in both test and t20 formats uh, i really can't wait for this one mason crane welcome on to leaving the locker room thanks for coming on and how are you doing yeah i'm good thank you yeah thanks for um saying i've mastered leg spin that's you know, a few years away yet i think but yeah thanks for having me on i'm excited <laughs> well you're certainly doing better than me i used to be a leg spin bowler when i was trying to play cricket and uh, i gave <laughs> up leg spin bowling that's how difficult <laughs> i found it uh but mason it's been nearly a month now since you returned home from the subcontinent after touring of the england squad so what have you been up to since you got home um, well, I first got home and obviously had to do a few days quarantine and stuff. Um, quite a few more COVID tests to sort of add to the many, many that I've had this winter. And yeah, so I had obviously a bit of an enforced break there. And since then, just a bit of training, really. I guess I had a, another week or so off and, you know, I obviously bowled a lot in uh, in India and Sri Lanka. Sadly, not in any matches, but, um, you know, a couple of niggles from that. So just trying to get that all sorted. But um, no, it's been plain sailing, to be honest. And just up with the pre-season stuff so um yeah i think we're all ready to go now good to hear and april the 12th is a date mark in everybody's calendar across england what have you got booked first a trip to the pub or appointment to the hairdressers well it's a bit of an interesting one for me it's my dad's is uh, my dad's a hairdresser so um uh, i haven't actually seen them uh, my mum and dad since christmas so i guess i'll be around there trying to get a haircut but uh, yeah i think it's actually just after the first game of the season so i'll probably be too tired to do anything else sadly but yeah like everyone else i'm looking forward to stuff over and up again we all are uh that's why i'm wearing a horrible headband right now because <laughs> the, the trim is just completely out of control but as we just mentioned you were part of that england tour of sri lanka and india over the last few months i know you didn't get the game time that you would have wanted out there but what can you take from the experience you had well i think anytime you're um you get to be around the those guys you know your standards go up because you know they're obviously so good and that's the England team they're well the world champions in 50 over cricket for a start so you know being around them I guess your standards uh, get driven higher and you see where you've sort of got to get to so you know, I always really enjoy being around that and the challenges that come with it and you know training with uh, much better players every day you know much better than yourself it, you know that's um, it's invaluable really so I really do enjoy it. And being at international cricket, the bubble life due to COVID, I'm sure, is pretty strict. And I can imagine a lot of players have been pretty vocal about the amount of time they had, you know, in the bubble and the mental strain it caused them as well, that lack of freedom. So what did you and the guys uh, do to keep yourselves entertained back at the hotel? Well, to be fair, when we were in Sri Lanka, the hotels were, were pretty open. So um, they were almost like resort-based hotels, really. So you sort of open your door and you're outside and, you know, there's the pool, obviously, and... Yeah, just generally sort of milling around and talking a lot and you know, a lot of, uh, a lot. Of, well, I'm not a coffee drinker, but a lot of coffee was drunk by everyone else. Um, yeah, the Sappuccino. Yeah. And then <laughs> when we got to India, they were more like, uh, that's like a big games room. So I spent most of my time in there, to be honest. And 
you know, the evenings were spent um, sort of playing cards and I, I, I found it fine personally, the bubble life, you know, I think the quarantine was a bit um, of a nightmare just because, you know, you actually can't leave. You know, if you, if you just want sort of 20 minutes of outside air, you can't get it. Um, but it's apart from that, you know, it was fine, really. I was surrounded by a really good bunch of guys and we all got on really well. And that there was plenty to do. And then obviously once the cricket starts, you're, you're too busy to think about anything else, really. And regarding your England test career, you're one of a number of spinners attempting to sort of break into that starting 11. Um, you haven't been given the opportunity since that Ashes test down under on the 2017-18 tour, I think it was. But you have been involved in Lions, squads and tours ever since. When thinking about it all, is it sort of a challenge you relish or is it something now that you're quite disheartened by? No, it's definitely something I relish. And if anything, being involved at a really young age um, and having a real taste for it has sort of strengthened that because I obviously know how good it is to be around Test cricket and, you know, an Ashes tour, how amazing it was, even though we lost 4 0, whatever it was. What a great experience it was. That's sort of a, it's a big driver for me, sort of most days really to try and improve myself to get back to that sort of point. And you know, I think I speak for most cricketers who've been around that environment uh, when they say that once you get a taste for it that's kind of all you sort of search for after that you know that's the pinnacle so that's what you uh, that's what you want to reach so you know my ambition's very much still to play as much for England as I can. Well it's good to hear and you're now back in England a country um, for pre-season that started for the county season with Hampshire which is only a couple of days away after what was like a chaotic campaign last season due to COVID, what has prep looked like for you and the boys and what are the team's goals ahead of the season? I think from a winter perspective, it's been quite different to most years in that um, obviously most people have been at home all winter. So, you know, there's been a lot more guys sort of training indoors together and stuff, which I think has actually benefited everyone. And, you know, it's been a real drive from everyone this winter to kind of use the opportunity to improve and sort of brought everyone a bit closer, which... Um, can't be a bad thing you know and, and I'm sort of seeing that now even as we're sort of going outside and uh, we've got a couple of warm-up games and stuff you know it, there's sort of a real closeness um, at the moment and I think that's sort of a unique thing because of COVID you know even last year you know we were all sort of we were sort of stuck together it wasn't like an official bubble but we didn't want to go out and be silly and and mm-hmm. things like that so you know even things like having to eat at the hotel every night you know we have to sort of gel together a bit better and that's something that, I mean, we can be grateful to go for anything. I think that's what we, we can be because, you know, really getting to sort of gel as a team. Even it means seeing a couple of your teammates too often. And for you personally, it's going to be an action-packed summer ahead with you, representing Hampshire in all formats, as well as competing in the 100 with London Spirit. Are you the sort of individual who sits down before a start of a season and then will like note down specific goals for yourself? I don't know. And I think part of the reason for that is I've kind of surprised myself uh, throughout my career that, you know, sort of how quickly things can change and how quickly you can sort of, I guess, you know, one thing sort of follows another. So um, I, I don't necessarily think I, would, you know, I want to achieve this and get sort of do mm-hmm. this well and things like that. Um, it's very much sort of, I'll turn up and do my best every single day. And, and hopefully at the end of the summer, I've sort of been part of a team that's won something. And I guess that's sort of the only goal I need right now. I and mean, then quickly before we move on to the reason you've come onto the podcast today, like I just mentioned, you'll be playing in all formats or cricket this summer. I've always wanted to know with you, Mason, is there a particular format, though, that you think you're best suited to and enjoy more than others? It's a strange one, actually, because I think at the moment my skill set and, and sort of the way I, I bowl and, and things sort of suits me to sort of short formats of like T20 games and, and uh, one-day cricket, um, and I've had some success in that. But, you know, I really do enjoy... Uh, 
bowling four-day cricket and I guess the chance to bowl lots and lots of overs and you know the real satisfaction of working a batsman out and, and sort of getting them out mm-hmm. as opposed to them sort of getting caught somewhere you know that's a sort of a different satisfaction you can't normally get in uh, in white ball cricket so I enjoy them all for different reasons I guess I've had more success in the uh, in the in the white ball games so far though all right well we do have to get on to the reason why you've come on to the podcast today and that's for you to come and put forward your claim and reasoning to why you want three certain things to be removed from your sport cricket so the way this is going to work is one by one Mason's going to put forward three things he would like to remove from cricket we're then going to discuss them and Mason is going to try and convince me that they should be removed from the sport and then after hearing Mason's arguments I'm then going to pick one of the three things to hypothetically remove from cricket to then leave it in the locker room so Mason what's the first thing you would like to remove from cricket please? So the first thing I'd like to remove is uh, umpire's call on DRS. It just a very me, topical one. Know, it is, yeah. I just don't know why it's there. Um, the, I mean, I guess the argument I'd use for it is uh, the technology is uh, at this point is uh, is either good enough or it isn't. And mm. um, I think Hawkeye in general, if it says it was going to hit the stumps, we can all sort of we all sort of say it was going to hit the stumps. The, the things that I don't understand are. So where the ball pitches, that's a fact. You know, that's not an opinion. So there's no umpire's call there. It's either pitched in line with the stumps or it hasn't. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, same where it's hit the batsman is a fact. It's uh, hit him outside the line or it's hit him in line. And then in my opinion, if the ball's going to knock the bails off, then it's out. You know, if, and if if it's not going to knock the bails off, then it's not out. You wouldn't see someone not out for bold because it was only going to clip. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, for me, I just don't understand why it's there. I think you know, the moment someone reviews it, we should just trust the technology. You know, and then, yeah, it's either out or it's not. There's no not sort of in between. Okay, so before we dive into this topic, uh, for the non-cricket badger who's listening, can you just explain what DRS and umpires call is? Right, yeah. So, for example, if it was given out, you know, the batsman can obviously review and say, I, did, I don't think that was out. So we sort of have another look. So Hawkeye gets to, I guess, track the ball, see what, if it's pitched in line with the stumps, you know, if it's hit the batsman in line, and if it was going on to hit and umpire's call is like a a sort of leeway i guess for technology and the umpires in that if it was really close you sort of just go with whatever the umpire said which is you know it's it's good and bad you know like it's it's obviously good that the umpires sort of still have a say in it but you know in my opinion like you know there are a wickets sort of not being given because the umpire sort of made a mistake in the first place and then so when DRS was first introduced back in, I think it was 2011. Were you a fan of it coming into the game then? Yeah, well, I think I think most people would have been just because I think it was it was brought in to obviously to eliminate like the really bad decisions. So when the umpire gets it so wrong, and everyone can see it, and that's kind of why it was brought in, and and that's that's brilliant. It's, it has done that. You know, there are no terrible decisions anymore you know it's eliminated the howler i guess hasn't it it has yeah but in the same breath you know the technology's moved on since then i think the technology's got better so i think we should evolve with it yes there are umpires are there and they're there to make a decision but you know ultimately we're we're at a point with the technology that's it's so good we may as well just use it to its uh, full capability so you're saying basically you're happy with drs it's just the umpire's cool bit that you would like to see removed yeah absolutely yeah yeah no drs is brilliant and one thing you don't want as a cricketer is to sort of put in all the hours, all the training, you know, all the dedication, sort of going through injuries, whatnot, for an umpire to get a decision wrong. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of what you don't want. So if, if we could use this as much as we can, I guess it sort of takes that out, you know, and you can walk off the field in knowing, right, oh, fair enough, I was, I was out there, I made a mistake. Or, you know, yeah. there's there's never like a, you know, for God's sake, I was, 
I knew it wasn't out. Like, you know, that's just, you know. So, for, yeah, for me, I just think DRS has sort of evolved as the, as the game's got used to it. So we should go with it. Yeah. And you would just change the rule too, that if, there, if DRS is to show that there is any contact with the wickets, then that should be out. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No, if, right. a, if a batsman's going to miss a ball that close to the stumps, they deserve to be out anyway. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a bit. But <laughs> do you think the fact that if you removed umpire's call, removed it from the game, it would then make it easier for the general viewer to understand? Is that also like a big beneficiary of this point? Well, I think so, yeah. I think it would be, you know, anyone watching who's not watched a lot of cricket, you'd straight away understand it, you know, oh, the tracking shows that was either hitting the stumps or it wasn't. And, you know, like when you see it used in tennis, you know, it's very clear that the ball was in or the ball was out. There was no, there's no umpire's call in tennis where they think, or oh, it was close to the line, to be fair, mm. so we'll go with what the uh, the line judge says. You know, it's either yeah. in or it's out. Um, and I think the same should apply for cricket, really. And it would just be really simple for everyone to understand. I know, I definitely agree, because with the point that cricket is already quite a hard sport to understand for, like, the average yeah. viewer, average person, the fact that the ball during an umpire's call DRS decision is shown to be, like, clipping the stumps and then in some circumstances is not given out, I can imagine it's quite hard for people to get their head around. Yeah, completely, you know, and that's yeah, something cricket, like you said, it is a really complicated game. So anything where we can sort of make it a bit easier to understand, a bit more simple, I think can only help. You know, you, you don't want people sat at home watching and sort of wondering what's just gone on. You know, you want everyone to sort of be, feel like they're engaged and involved in the game. Now, I do have to give the other side of the argument, and that's been helped recently because this has been very much talked about in the game. So last weekend, Nasser Hussein did a really good piece. I'm not sure if you saw it for Sky. Nasser brought up three really great points that I kind of do agree with, is that if you remove umpire's call in DRS, one is like we have umpire's call because like we you have mentioned, it's not we're not 100% sure if the technology is 100% correct. And we have that like 2% margin of error because it is a technical prediction that it's going to be hitting the stumps. We don't actually know it. So we're trying to compensate for that error that DRS could have. Two, the stumps side would, would theoretically become bigger target if we removed any of that margin for error. So you would then see a lot more um, umpires giving out LBW that then, you know, would then lead to potentially like shorter games and stuff like that. And then three, what do you think the point of the umpires would be then if you were to remove that sort of umpires call? Like it seems like cricket umpires are losing more and more of their role in the game. So don't you see some major issues with their removing this umpires call? Yeah, no, completely. You know, I, I understand. Uh, I understand all those points. You know, the only issue for me is like you'd never give someone not out for bold because the, the bail just dropped off. Do you know what I mean? It just clips mm -hmm. and stumps. It dropped off. Like, you know, that is the the way the game works. And you know, like I said earlier, if you're prepared to miss one close enough to the stumps, it should be out. And Mr. Hawkeye himself is actually uh, Hampshire based, um, mm -hmm. so he comes in a lot to sort of try new things out and try new technology and. Having spoken to him a few times and seen what he does, if he tells me that would have hit the stumps, I'm believing him that that would have hit the stumps. You know, he knows his stuff, and you know, I'm I'm so sort of convinced that the technology is right, and you it's know, we now. use it, it we use it for everything else. You know, like you'd see them, they use it for like the amount of swing and the amount of seam and things like that. You know, you trust that it's right for that. Uh, so why can't we trust that it's right that it will predict it? it will hit the stumps and then on the, on the stumps uh issue like you said you know I, I do understand you know the stumps would be slightly bigger i guess but in the same breath it's the same for bold you know again you can just clip it and you know actually yeah. a big question of mine about all of it i do wonder is obviously you know if the stumps get hit during the game the umpires obviously have to go and sort of put them back to where they were and 
my only question is what's the guarantee that they're in exactly the same the place same space. Um, yeah. that's you know, a so good I would point say actually that, that's fair because i thought that, uh they kept getting hit somewhere and obviously sometimes the, the hole beneath it sort of crumbles and mm-hmm. they're not they're not right and I just thought, is Hawkeye going off where the stumps are now or, yeah. or where they should be? That's the only question I have. <laughs> that, really. that's, a, that's a good point because I'm, I'm pretty sure with, I've spoken to a couple of Hawkeye boys as well and like they sort of set it up pre-match. So actually it doesn't adapt to where the stumps would change if they were to move, even if it's like a little, I don't know, a centimetre or something when the umpires place it back. So actually it's a good point um, yeah. I haven't thought of. But do you think a reason maybe you want this change more than others is because you are a bowler? A hundred million percent, yeah. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I have this argument every time there's cricket on a change room and all the bowlers will be queued up saying, that's just out, you know, you can't miss that. And all the batters will be saying, oh no, I'm not sure about that. And you know, you get it during the season as well. Guys come in and they've been given out LBW and all the batters have given, oh, I think that was harsh. That might have only just been clear. And all the bowlers are saying, well, that's out and you're out. You know, you shouldn't miss it. Yeah, it's 100% because I'm a bowler. And yeah, I guess it would definitely benefit bowlers in general. Definitely. I mean, would you agree with a view that cricket is becoming a more batsman dominated game? Well, it is, yeah, and I think cricket is a is a, a batsman's game because there's more runs scored than there are wickets taken, you know, and that's mm-hmm. never going to change. Um, and it should be like that, you know. It is a batsman's game because it's about who scores the most runs wins the game. So it is, but you know, just I think the odd rule change sort of keep bowlers interested and keep the contest fair. You know, I think it can never really be a bad thing. Yeah, especially I feel in white ball cricket, it's seeming that it's becoming a bit batsman dominated but that's a good first argument mason so we'll move on what is the second thing you would like to remove from cricket please all right so the second one is definitely from a player's perspective but for me it is uh, fitness testing um (laughs) i would just love to get rid of fitness testing there's a few reasons why yeah (laughs) Um, so what what why is it that you dislike it so much so i don't i just i'm not the biggest gym goer in the world you know i'll do my stuff and, and get out of there it's not a massive enjoyment for me I can't understand why we do it. You know, I just don't, I, I don't get what we get from it. You know, like I have two issues with fitness testing in general. The first one is I don't understand why we do it. You know, from a, my point of view, it just makes me tired for a day or two. Um, <laughs> and I've never been surprised by what I've got in any test. You know, I, I sort of know, uh, I know I can run about that. And I know I'm probably a couple of levels behind the yo-yo on that guy. And I know I'm yeah. a quicker sprinter than him. Why do we need to go all through all this disgusting testing and why do i need to feel so bad you know vile um <laughs> pushing myself to the point of throwing up you know what it's a pointless ordeal in my opinion um but the second issue i have with it is fitness testing right it's not just the the big long run so you do so like not the yo-yo or the 2k time trial but you do things like jumping and sprinting and turning and things okay. like that right and that's under the bracket of fitness testing but you can be really great at those things like you know it can be really fast and you can jump loads but ultimately, your deem does not fit only based off the yo-yo test or a 2K. And uh, so, again, makes me wonder why we bother sprinting at all. You know, it's like I would always be up there for the sprints. I'd be one of the quickest in the squad normally. But if I did really well in that and poorly in the yo-yo test, I'm the one whose deem does not fit, you know, even though I've actually one of the best in another test. So, um, yeah, it's sort of this different 
perception of what fitness is from other people but yeah I just it's just it's my it's my least favorite day of the year by a mile I have to say I really hope the strength and conditioning coach at Hampshire isn't listening because <laughs> Joe Weatherly your friend came on as my guest for the first episode of the pod and he tried to remove warm-ups and now you're trying to remove fitness <laughs> testing from the game so it doesn't look so good from a, an outsider's point of view no it's nothing I wouldn't say to his face to be honest um, <laughs> I'd, I'd normally tell him this as we're doing it as well, you know, I'll be a few levels in on the yo-yo and then I'll tell him how much I'm hating it. But yeah, no, maybe we're just trying to get rid of him in general. <laughs> maybe. So you mentioned this yo-yo. I presume, Max, what is the fitness test? So like, what does the fitness test look like for a professional cricketer? Because the fitness test at school for us was like the bleep test in PE. So what's this yo-yo test you, you talk about? Right. So, yeah, so yo-yo is basically a bleep test, but you have a break. So you, you go up and back. Same as a bleep test, up mm-hmm. and back, but you um, you have a rest. So I think it's done on bleep test levels, but you start on like level five, very quickly you're sort of level nine, 10, and then you jump to sort of 15 onwards. It's like eight reps a level. And mm-hmm. um, your rest sort of as you go on gets smaller and smaller. So by the end, you're kind of flat out sprinting there and back and not getting much rest. And, you know, it all becomes quite disgusting towards the end. And again, you know, it just puts me, puts me in such a vile state. And I just don't know why we bother going through it every year. You know, I've got the same score every single time I've ever done it because I get to about the pass mark and say, well, there we go, then I'm fit. Deemed, you know, give me a big tick next to my name and let's move on to the next thing. Uh, when does this fitness testing take place? Is it throughout the cricketing calendar or is it only sort of during pre-season once that it takes place? I mean, inexplicably, it happens at the end of the season. I mean, I don't know why we do it then. It's too late, isn't it? Um, <laughs> You've already it's had happened the now. What's the point? Yes, yeah, it's happened now. And then it would probably be like quite early on when we start back in the winter, and maybe once again before sort of preseason really ramps up to getting outside and stuff. So you're probably looking at two a year, one if you're lucky. And some guys, I guess, get a real kick out of it, and they enjoy it, and they enjoy sort of pushing themselves to that sort of level and. Yeah, but personally, I just, uh, I don't, I just can't stand it. <laughs> and you said potentially one if you're lucky. So how often do you get players trying to avoid the fitness testing day? And so what are the best excuses that they've come up with? <sighs> well, there's a lot of uh, sort of three day long hamstring injuries that tend to happen just before. <laughs> um, out of nowhere. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, no, I was out for a run the other day and guys, just a bit tight. And I think I just need a few days. Um it's one of those you can't you can't really say no can you You know it's difficult to avoid i guess especially when there's not much cricket on you you can't even say i've got a game soon i need to be fresh for so yeah i mean it's if you end up like going away and stuff sometimes you avoid it and i definitely had a a year or two where i was had played great cricket i didn't do it for maybe two years just because i was away but um yeah to be honest most people get caught now and you have to uh you have to just suck it up and get through it no easy way around it and now regarding your fitness if i was to ask your fitness coach at hampshire what do they think about your personal fitness and conditioning what do you think they would say i think he'd say i I jump very well i'm fast and then long distance i kind of just i get it done so i do what i need to (laughs) do you know i'm not up like joe would be the opposite to me so he would be like long distance he'd be one of the best i reckon like you know sort of yo-yo tests and 2k time Mm. trials stuff he'd be he'd be up there i reckon you know, then yeah, sort of any sort of jumping and sprinting is kind of that's kind of my area where I I, I do well in that normally. But yeah, no, I, 
don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, don't do fitness. That's a different <laughs> question. It's just the testing is, it's just the is test. disgusting. Yeah. Like I'm happy to go in and do everything like, you know, but there's a bit where we go, oh, oh, I'm feeling really fit at the moment. Don't need to test it. Like we all know it. You know what I mean? We're just, uh, yeah. both of us standing here. We know I'm fit now, you know, <laughs> I've been in the gym all winter. I should be really, it shouldn't need a test to prove it. So when you mentioned Joe there, when it comes to your teammates, who is the show pony who was always showing off during these fitness tests and just, just seemed way too keen for it? Joe would be up there, I reckon. Um, <laughs> Joe's a real fitness bunny. He loves it all. So he'd be up there. And uh, James Fuller as well. He's yeah, outrageously competitive at sort of anything like really physical. Like you'd be sort of doing your stuff in the gym and lifting whatever weights. And he'd come over and be like, oh, oh, how much is on that? And then just sort of make sure you're watching as he lifts 10 more kilos and <laughs> makes a point of it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a bit of that goes on. Like everyone's a bit competitive, but those two mm-hmm. definitely stand out. And on the other hand, who really struggles desperately with their fitness and like really needs to sort out their rig and chassis? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, there's not many that are like like hideous at fitness. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. There's a good group of us that hate it. Um, <laughs> we're sort of always at the end of the gym together sort of trying to pry through it together sort of thing um but is there anybody ever around the corner just like throwing up you know after one of these days testings again yeah again not many not many sort of throwing up you know they're like reach a point we go right you're past fit now and most people start dropping out to be fair i think (laughs) the people start dropping out no we're the the ones that would start throwing up if we carried on um (laughs) i think in any team everyone's a bit you know you get guys who are like it doesn't matter and, you know I score more runs anyway it doesn't matter and same as like bowlers who even if they don't do well on a test I go yeah but I bowled 600 overs a year and whatever so you know mm-hmm. what's fitness you know and that's a, a massive debate in cricket is what is fitness is is fitness being able to do really well on these tests or is fitness looking at a guy and going well he just never breaks down he's always fit he plays every game he bowls loads of overs he scores loads of runs he's always out there you know, I guess because it's that balance between a physical sport and a sort of a fine skill, um, mm-hmm. which you may not get in other sports. So there's a constant debate going on every year. It's it's changing. That's a good point. Like it's always, it's always sort of an evolving sort of uh, conundrum really in cricket. No, that's a very good point. But this is definitely something that you think your fellow professionals would be keen as well to remove from cricket. Well, I think a lot of us would be, yeah. No, there'd definitely be a lot of support. You know, like I said, I'm not getting rid of fitness because you know, it's important yeah. and, and a, a lot of it is is sort of enjoyable, but uh, it's just it's the testing. You know, just the why testing. would you need to test yourself to the to the max? You know, I've sort of made a pact with myself that I will never, ever push myself in a physical test to the point of throwing up. I just don't ever see the point. You know, like I, I know I'm fit enough. That's all I need to know. I don't need to put a number on it. Quite right. Okay, and then lastly, what is the third thing that you would like to remove from cricket, please, Mason? All right, so the third one is like cricket cliches, but specifically like, you know, like coaching cliches you hear a lot. Obviously, having played cricket for like a a long time now, since like quite a young age, I'm just hearing the same things every day. Um, And there's there's only so much you can hear it, you know. A big one that really gets me as well is you hear commentators say a lot, but it's said in every dressing room everywhere. Listen to the commentators and they'll stand there in the morning and go, oh, it's a big first hour. You know, it's a big first hour. And in, a, in the dressing room, we'll be going, right, it's a big first hour, you know. Well, of course it is, you know, it's the first hour. You know. And then we'll get to lunch and they go, right, it's a big first hour after lunch. You, know? you think, well, there's only two hours in the session. You know, we'll get to drinks and then you'll be like, this is going to be a big hour up until tea. And I've just realised every hour we play is, is, is a big hour. Uh, yeah, so that, that's, so that gets to me. Um, another one is like 
you know, someone gets driven for four and everyone goes, oh, no, we don't mind that. We don't. Well, I certainly mind it. You know, I certainly <laughs> mind getting driven for four. And it's sort of almost like a sort of like a ripple of applause, I guess, from the fielders when a bowler gets driven for four, because that's, you know, okay, that's an OK way to, to go for runs. Yeah. And then uh, there's one. I mean, I heard it today, actually, and it, it just sent me over the edge. It's just I thought I thought instantly that I've got to say this on the podcast is when people say they're two spinners and they go, oh, the, the spin twins. Oh, <laughs> if I've ever bowled with another spinner in my life, we've been called the spin twins, and I just don't understand why. Like, just because there's two of us, the opening batters don't get a, a name that makes them sound like they're eight-year-olds. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of them that could go. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of examples. I feel like you might have listened to uh, Sean Brown, who was my last guest on the pod as well, who was trying to remove cringe rugby uh, phrases from the game. <laughs> um, but so you've mentioned some examples there, but is there one that just stands out that's just the absolute worst and makes you want to vomit every time you hear it? Well, I, th- I think it's spin twins, actually. Just thinking about it then, like just because it would have been directed at me so many times as well. You know, like I would obviously been a part of, of that a, a lot. And it's just it's just one of those things where you just, Spinners are kind of on their own in the game anyway, right? Especially in England, we're sort of... There's not many of us, I guess, in a team, and so we're sort of our own little thing. And then when they say that, you just go, oh, my goodness, like, we really are separated from everyone else. Do you know what I mean? Sort of left to play our own sort of thing. But I think I'd have to... I'd have to get rid of that, yeah. But I mean, to us, there's so many. It's probably too many to mention, actually. There, there really uh, is. I've got a few written down, but, um, yeah, Spin Twins has got to go, in my opinion. This is a good one because I feel that it's also very relatable for every cricketer on the planet um, because mm. we've heard them all during our time when we were sort of being coached and then picking up the game. But like what fascinates me is that you're actually still hearing potentially coaches coming up with these cliches mm. in a professional game. Yeah, absolutely. Like one thing that I guess probably took me a bit of getting used to actually at the start was like, no matter the level, like the team talks are kind of the same everywhere because I guess there's only so much you can say but you know like a big one as well you know is when you're batting and somewhere right just go out there and let's be positive what does that even mean do you know what i mean what does be positive mean does that mean oh we're going to try and score well of course we're trying to score runs you know that's the aim of the game you know things like that and you know i swear to god if someone else in my career tells me to be patient oh my word the amount of times i've heard that phrase and it's, it's all the same sort of stuff i guess and you know the fact that you know there's professional cricketers and we're all sort of talking about batting and stuff and it all come. It will finish, and everyone go. Well, it's just got to watch the ball, really. You know, just got to watch. The yeah, ball. It's, it's just the obvious well, ones. Those are the most annoying. <laughs> yeah, and you think uh, it's just like, well, of course we're doing that. You know, we should be. We should be obviously watching the ball. You no, know, we should be positive and patient. All those lovely words. You know, we, yeah. we kind of are all those things. Well, you'd hope we are already. You know, shouldn't still be talking about it now. But you no, know, it is kind of funny that you know, like all those sort of phrases still crop up every single day. I agree. It's just those obvious ones that frustrate me the most. Like, you know, the typical, oh, come on, boys, like catches win matches. Like, obviously, yeah. <laughs> they're going to help win go. a match. <laughs> yeah, and like, gotta go. Yeah. I mean, did you ever, like, for instance, I don't know, when you're on the Ashes tour, did Trevor Bayliss ever, in a in a talk after the day, like, guys, come on, we've got to take those because catches win matches. Did you ever get, like, horrible <laughs> instances like that? Um, I mean, to be fair, catches win matches is probably the big one, isn't it? That's the massive <laughs> one. And I think every cricketer would do everything in their power to avoid saying it, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, and anyone involved, you do everything to just avoid saying that. So, you know, for me, like, it's just that I was having sat through a lot of, sort of i guess team talks now varying coaches and stuff 
I could kind of predict what's going to come out of their mouth just based on where the game's at and yeah. you know, what we're going to have to do tomorrow. We're batting or bowling and, you know, it's things like, I know we're going to, we're going to be disciplined and, yeah, we're going to bowl <laughs> like bowl like a really like in the channel. In the channel. Go, well, that's what we're trying to do. That, that's literally <laughs> why I have a job is that exactly what I try and do every single day. Um, yeah, I'm still being constantly reminded of it. You know, I guess it's just for me, it's just the sort of the weirdly funny bit that everyone at every level kind of needs reminding to watch the ball and you know, show discipline and sort of be patient and things. And yeah, no, just some of the phrases like, you know, once you've heard them so many times, I think that's enough. <laughs> why do you why do you think we're hearing these coaching cliches used so much in the game? Like, is it do you think for motivational purposes or do you think the coaches actually think that they make sense and the players are like sitting there taking it on ball being like, yeah, I do need to bowl top of off every ball here or something. <laughs> Not rather than what you're saying is just going through there and just doing the mental like ticking off the boxes when they just say <laughs> another cliche. Like, why are they by using these cliches, do you think? Well, my cynical mind says it's because it's kind of like a cop out. So I think if I say all these lovely, you know, so I say be positive, for example, we use the word positive, and someone goes out there and slogs one up in the air and gets caught. I go, well, it, I didn't tell him to slog. It was not my fault. I told him to be positive. That's not positive. That's aggressive, you know. Um, so I think it's kind of like it's kind of like neutral phrasing that for saying it, you can't sort of ever get in trouble and it can never backfire. Mm. You know, they're the ones for me and. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's kind of that like passing of the buck, like yeah. Well, I've I've kind of said my bit. It's up to you entirely how it goes. You know, uh, I don't want to be at fault here if it goes wrong because I told you all to go out there and start yeah. slogging and start trying to hit sixes and stuff. And you know, I didn't want to tell all the bowlers to try and start bowling magic balls every ball me going at eight and over. So you know, my cynical mind definitely tells me it's just an absolute cop out. <laughs> And now, of course, one way or another, these god-awful cliches from coaches have made it out onto the pitch in game situations are being used by players every day, like you said. So the question is, do you ever find yourself saying these cliches? And if so, which one do you think you say the most? Absolutely. No, I, I absolutely do. You know, And it's like, it's, it's little things like, you know, watch the ball. Like, yeah, as cliche as it is, right, with my batting, I still have reached <laughs> a point where I've thought, right, you know, I need to like bend my knee a bit more, get my head foot. It just comes down to watching the ball and trying to hit the thing. So that is kind of what I've boiled it down to in a really sad way. I'll be sort of in a net. I'll be going, right, Joe, just, just watch it. Just look at the ball and try and hit it, you know, things like that. And you're definitely saying it and you're definitely, you know, saying to yourself, you know, like I've, I've got to be really disciplined here. And, you know, I understand why they're sort of being said. And I, I get it because uh, you do at times think, oh, I could, now I could try something different. And, you know, it's to kind of keep you on the track, but I guess you just reach a, a professional level and you, you'd hope that you'd kind of have all that stuff ticked off by now. You wouldn't need the constant reminder, but sadly, most of us kind of do. <laughs> and I feel now that also we're getting some of these cliches are being used in sledging on the pitch. So like one I could think of um, is like one wicket brings two, but it's just like another cliche that yeah. I hate in the sport. <laughs> so would you want these removed, you know, remove them off the pitch, but keep it in a sledging game? Or do you want to completely gone these cliches? The thing is, I think if we, so if you were to get rid of things like, you know, one brings two and all that, I, I don't know what you'd have to shout. Um, <laughs> because most of the stuff that you sort of shout on the, on the field is, yeah, it's, being honest, it's total bollocks. Um, <laughs> it's just absolute crap. It's just noise, really. As long as you're making noise, it's sort of okay. Like, again, you know, think in any other sport, would you think that you sort of need constant encouragement every time you do your skill to sort of keep doing it? Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Should you really need this much encouragement to run in and bowl another ball? I guess there's only so much you can say, isn't there? So yeah. I, and most I, of them you know, are cliches. We, yeah, so <laughs> maybe we keep it on field, but you know, 
definitely off the field and sort of team discussions. I think it can definitely go from there because once you've been in one uh, of those meetings, you've kind of been in them all. Okay, and then quickly before I decide which one to remove from cricket here, uh, on the topic of sledging, is there any sledge that sort of stood out to you during your career that you've received or one you've heard being dished out? To be honest, I've not actually, I've not been sledged a whole lot in my career. I've obviously been... As a spinner, you do find yourself a bit of an easy target, but I'd never, I never bat long enough to be sledged. Um, <laughs> but I did actually, I got sledged quite well once in um, in uh, grade cricket in Australia. I was batting, and it was a two day game, so uh, the other team were going to bat uh, the next day. Uh, and this this guy was standing at slip, and he was kind of their like main batsman. And I was actually facing Joe Denley; he was bowling uh, for the other team, and I was sort of blocking them back. And then he just started randomly. randomly sort of naming fielding positions. So he'd just start going like, oh, long on, long off, deep wicket. And then another ball would be bowled. And he'd do again, like deep square leg, deep extra cover. And then he just went, you're going to fucking need all of them if you bowl at me, mate. I'm going to fucking whack you everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like, you know, who is this guy? And funnily enough, he actually, I actually did put them all out. First ball I bowled to him the next day. I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm not even going to give him the chance. So I put quite a few guys out and he hit a one, I think first ball and, called me a few names as he got down the other end and he got out the uh, the next over <laughs> the guy on the other end and our wicketkeeper walked him all the way off absolutely incredible but yeah that's kind of the only time I could properly remember a, a sledge I thought it was it was quite clever in a way okay I've really enjoyed that that discussion there but it has got to a time where I have to pick one of these things to remove from cricket and leave it in the locker room now Miss, you've come up with some really good points here and like normally when I'm listening to my guest arguments one of the arguments will just stick in my head and it'll be a, it'll be an, an easier choice to pick one of them to remove but I'm struggling actually to pick one of the three here but I think after your points put forward what I've decided to hypothetically remove from cricket and put into the locker room is drum roll please i'm going to put in uh the coaching cliches i, I just enjoyed your argument so much that i could kind of feel the sort of the anger behind it <laughs> um, potentially and at the you know the pretty shocking standard of cricket i still play nowadays that sort of thing really bothers me the cliches and when like you say when i'm watching it on tv or people are watching it on tv and you hear the commentators say you know like this is a really big first hour or like this is a big toss to win and i'm just like oh please <laughs> just like give me a break yeah. <laughs> so i feel like i'm gonna yeah. put that one in the fitness testing i do get as well and the drs that's a that's a tricky one because I do understand it'd be really beneficial to game make the game more understanding for the general viewer, but mm. I do think there is a good argument against also why we need to keep it with we're not a hundred percent being sure that this is like the technology is at the standard it needs to be. So I think after your your argument, I'm going to stick in uh, coaching cricket cliches. Awesome. Okay, right. I think it's time for some locker room questions uh, with our wonderful sponsors, Buda Vida, introduced by the also wonderful Henry Thomas Aldridge. <laughs> Charlie, stop it, because it's time for locker room questions with Mason Cray, brought to you by Buda Vida, the activewear brand giving back to women in sport. So don't miss out on some fantastic Buda Vida products. And of course, don't forget, with every purchase, 
5% is donated to women's sport. So what are you waiting for? Oh, well, of course, finish the podcast. But then head over to the Buda Vida website and use the code hashtag leave it in the locker room to get 30% off your order. See you in 10 minutes. Now it's time to play our end of podcast feature, Locker Room Questions, an opportunity to find out what really goes on behind the closed doors of the Hampshire Cricket and England Locker Room. And just to let you know, Mason, your teammate Joe didn't mention you once when we played this game. <laughs> so take that for what you will. But we'll start with what is your go-to pre-match meal? Oh, I'm a big one for like uh, some sort of like pasta night before. Yeah, some sort of whatever if i can get like knocky in it or something like that but um yeah something italian like a pasta or a, if i'm hard pushed a pizza or something like that oh, i'm a big fan of italian as well <laughs> um what are your go-to pre-match music artists well a bit of elton john actually normally really the trick and yeah no uh, elton uh, elton's uh i'm a big fan of elton so yeah it, it just always lifts the mood you know what i mean it, you know, you never never sort of listen to his songs and you can't not be happy so um, are you a, the sort of fuzzy sings along as well to them but i find myself always uh, singing along to elton john i'm the biggest cast singer in the world absolutely <laughs> like i you know I've, i pull up at traffic lights and absolutely people staring at me because the music's that loud and i'm singing along <laughs> to the tiny dancer or something like that okay i love that one that's that's one of the best ones i've heard actually um the funniest person in the locker room Oh, oh, funniest. Is it possible to say yourself? Um, no, I'm joking. Um, I mean, you can if you want, but I mean, the amount of, <laughs> no, the amount of shit you're going to get from the boys if you do that, I no, mean. I think uh, after Ian Holland, for me, he's just he's just so funny. Like, some of the stuff he comes out with, he is very good. He's like king of the one-liner. Okay, good, good. And best dancer in the locker room? Very tough one. I don't think we've got many dancers, to be honest, at all, actually. Who would be the best dancer? I mean, I... I'll just have to, the physio actually, James Clegg, I'm going to have to say him just because I reckon he's, I reckon he tries a bit harder than everyone else to, when he's dancing. Okay. Which teammate in the locker room spends the most time in front of the mirror? Oh, Lewis McManus, without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah. Don't you think twice about that one. I mean, uh, yeah, fair enough. He's a very good looking fella, but yeah, it's always funny when he turns up on like a, a press day and he's just been there 15 minutes earlier than everyone else just to get the hair right. Yeah, you just had your um, photo shoot I saw with New Balance, your, your new sponsors. So how long did he spend in front of the mirror before before that photo Well, I'm imagining again? quite a quite a long time. And uh, <laughs> I've actually had to launch the kit with him the last sort of couple of years. And it's a nightmare. You turn up to a photo shoot and he's standing there because, you know, I could be looking as good as I ever would, but um, I'm never going to compete with him. <laughs> uh, the messiest teammate in the locker room? Uh, I think Sam Northeast kind of next to him in the change room there's a slight gap and um yeah there's not much order to uh to what he does his stuff kind of spreads and sort of multiplies sort of towards me so i have to end up kicking his stuff back at him and then the best post-match drinker in the locker room oh um i think i'd have to say james vince probably um, really that, that's surprising so, yeah. it's just just because i think he's he's a captain so he's obviously it, it sort of Socially as well, tries to sort of uh, take us with him and sort of get us all together. But yeah, yeah, he's normally the first one to crack open a beer after a game, definitely. And then worst dressed? Worst dressed? <sighs> James Fuller. Um, <laughs> yes, definitely James Fuller. I mean, he's he's taken over from uh, Jimmy Adams. It would have been him before. Sadly, Jimmy's retired now. Um, but yeah, Foz, I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a Kiwi and um, he dresses like it. 
you know, the gear is he whipping out? The, it's the real sort of dad gear, you know. It's like the it's the it's the, it's the loose jeans and the Ferrari shoes, um, which he also <laughs> incidentally sometimes wears to the gym, which I can't understand. But yeah, no, I mean it would have been uh, Jimmy Adams would have been the one. I mean, it, Jimmy's got about four t-shirts, again flared jeans, flip flops, and that's him sort of every night for for dinner. But um, current squad fuller, yeah. Okay, and then worst moment for you walking back into the locker room. A really bad moment was 2016 when we, we thought we'd been relegated. So we were at home to Durham and we basically needed to bowl them out on the last day and we couldn't do it. And I just remember it was hideous, absolutely sort of hideous, knowing we weren't going to do it for about an hour. And then obviously having to come back upstairs and sort of thinking we'd gone down was just an awful, awful feeling. Luckily, some well, not luckily, but you know, sadly for Durham, some stuff happened and we ended up staying mm-hmm. up anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that coming off the field then sort of, because I guess you know, like we've lost a final as well at Lords, and you now that's tough. But a final sort of like that one day and could have gone either way, sort of thing. Whereas this was like over a really long, tough season, we kind of weren't good enough, and then it was finally sort of confirmed. You know that was that was really tough. Okay, and then last question: the best moment walking back into the locker room. Yeah, yeah there's been a few to sort of stand out. To be honest, we won the. Um, obviously 50 over a cup at Lords a couple of years ago that was an amazing and you know winning a trophy is is great and you know getting to do it I guess with all your mates is you know an amazing feeling and you know on a personal note like coming back after like we fielded in sort of the both T20s I've played for England just felt great you know and that was amazing on a kind of real personal note sort of you know having my family there and stuff but um definitely from a team perspective i think we didn't winning at lord in a 50 ever final was was right up there yeah yeah i'm sure all right well mason thank you so much for joining me on the podcast day you've been a great guest come with really good three points as well um so thank you very much for taking the time to, to come on well thank you very much for having me cheers and that concludes another episode of Leave It In The Locker Room. Thank you so much for Mason for coming on the podcast. And I wish him all the best in what is sure to be a busy summer of cricket for him. Also, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you'd like to keep up to date with all the news of who will be coming on the podcast in the future months, please go and follow at By The Green Media on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, please download and subscribe to Leave It In The Locker Room on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And uh, don't be afraid to give the pod a review or a rating um it is very much appreciated we'll do both and i look forward to welcoming you all back for the next episode so see you then